soon we are going to see the king soon and very soon we are going welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley California I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all we strengthen our faith as we worship study develop a creative supportive community and serve others Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Glory be to God. The scriptures for today are in the book of Acts of the Apostles. And we're going to be reading chapter 1, verses 6 to 14. And the word of God says like this, Jesus is carried out into heaven. The apostles were all together. They asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time for you to give the people of Israel the kingdom again? Jesus said to them, The Father is the only one who has the authority to decide dates and times. They are not for you to know, but the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. You will be witnesses. You will tell people everywhere about me in Jerusalem, in the rest of Judea, in Samaria, in every part of the world. After Jesus said this, he was lift up, lifted up into the sky. While they were watching, he went into a cloud and they could not see him. They were staring into the sky where he had gone. Suddenly, two men wearing white clothes um, were standing beside them. They said, men from Galilee, why are you standing here looking into the sky? You saw Jesus carried away from you into heaven. He will come back in the same way you saw, you saw him go. A new apostle is chosen. 
Then the apostle went back to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. The mountain, uh, it's about half mile from Jerusalem. When they entered the city, they went to upstairs room where they were staying. These are the ones who were, who were there. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of um, Alphaeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. The apostles were all together. They were constantly praying with the same purpose. Some women married the mother of Jesus, and his brothers were there with the apostles. The Word of God.
me, please. The words of preparation, which are printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Just before Christmas last year, I was a few minutes early to a scheduled lunch with one of the pastors I've had the blessing of mentoring over the last few years. Maybe I have time to get him a gift, I thought. And you know, when you, when you do this, you have, you, 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 you're a few minutes early and you imagine have, you have way more time than you really do. So, uh, but I, I just decided, well, I was at Saul's Deli up on Shattuck, and there's that bookstore right there. So I thought, I'll just, I'll just duck in there and see what I see. Um, could, I, could I find a book? Get it wrapped before he arrived? Tall order. But as I went into the, into the bookstore, the first book that my eye landed on was a book of poems from the poet Mary Oliver devotions. And I thought, perfect. And so I got the book, I had it wrapped, and just as I was walking out the door, he arrived. I, I was even able to write out a card, and in the card I wrote, these poems are among some of Epworth's sacred texts. Merry Christmas. And when I read the first lines of today's scripture from Acts, Lines from that other sacred text, the poems of Mary Oliver, came to mind. And the, the line that, uh, from Acts that really caught my attention was this line. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And the lines that came to mind from Oliver's poem are from the poem Journey, and there are these lines. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the odd tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried. Do you hear the echo in these lines? Restore us, those gathered around Jesus cried. Mend my life, shouted the voices in Oliver's The Journey. And in each case, the voice cries out for help, as if some, some power to save them, uh, purportedly the only power to save them, belongs to someone else. But Jesus has a different plan than these voices seem to be asking for. It's not that he isn't savior, he is, but his ultimate saving act has been completed. He has come and walked among us and shared the good news. He has died and he has risen. And now the other part that he has been preaching all along needs to be fulfilled. What was that other part? It's the part about their participation in the saving act, the saving work, not just of themselves, but of the world. 
The scripture we have this morning from Acts is preceded by these verses that open the whole book. And they read like this. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Jesus has been among his followers since his death and resurrection in risen form. And in each interaction, it's like he's saying, okay, I told you this was coming. Come on now, you can do this. And each time he communicates this in some way, it's like they're responding, we know you told us, but we forgot a lot of it. And some of it, we really weren't sure what it meant in the first place. So can't you just stay and do it for us? Restore us. Mend my life. As a younger parent, I remember many times when I would be trying to teach one of my children something, whether it was tying shoes or how to make their bed, and they would initially be excited to learn something new and, and experience the freedom that came with this, this new knowledge and this new capacity. But then the task would become challenging and they would say, you do it. Well, that's what I hear in these words from Jesus's early followers. Jesus, you do it. But what Jesus is asking of these early followers is their engagement their relationship, their partnership. It's more than just a simple task. It's a whole new way of life in which they must leave the old ways behind and step out in faith, sharing the good news that they've learned from Jesus. And significantly, the task has become even harder than it was just a few months ago. As much as they love Jesus and want to believe what they are seeing and hearing is true, they've also been broken by what has happened to him. Even though he keeps appearing to them, he's not with them in the same way, and many are afraid what happened to him could happen to them. It's hard to underestimate the trauma that the disciples and followers of Jesus experienced in his crucifixion. Not only were their hopes betrayed in the, in the way that they thought they were going to be lived out and fulfilled, the horrific violence of Jesus's death was also seared into their memories. And even though Jesus kept coming back to them, it seems from their responses to him the way they reacted to his messages post-resurrection, that they, they felt broken to some extent. They were begging him to make them whole, all the while not being willing to let go and move forward into what he was calling them into, what he told them was going to happen. C.S. Lewis said, Getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. These post-resurrection followers of Jesus were looking backward to 
a time way in the past when things felt stable, the, the time when the kingdom of Israel was whole, when there was a, a kind of stability and, and power. The irony is that the time they were hoping to return to, to be restored to, was also before the transforming blessing of walking with Jesus. Do they really want to go back? Do they really want to miss what had happened since? It was actually before their lives had truly been saved in this new way. They're begging for Jesus to make them whole, but the reality is he has already made them whole. How often do we do this? We long for a time in the past that seems idyllic, a way to escape the pain or brokenness we're experiencing in the moment, not recognizing that everything we've experienced since that time would be lost were we to go bad, back, the, the, the painful time, yes, but also the amazing time, the wonderful time of living and we also, when we, when we look back to that time and, 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 miss, and miss it and long for it, what we're missing is that the saving grace of Jesus is already with us. And we already have what we need to move forward. Jesus has been trying so hard to get these followers to release their beliefs that things would happen in the way that they expected and to move with him into the flow of the unfolding of God's history. Follow me, he said. Get in the boat and go into the deep water with me. He's called to them. He's invited them in. But still, there's a resistance to fully joining him. And so Jesus asked them to release their fixation on control and Knowing the, and knowing the future, knowing, knowing everything that's coming, because really that's impossible anyway. And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that God has set by God's own authority. One of the words that is sometimes used with respect to Jesus's death on the cross is atonement. It derives from the ancient Hebrew practice of sacrificing an animal on the altar of God as a way to ask forgiveness and be forgiven for sins that have been committed. But even at the time of this practice, the prophet Jeremiah said to the people, God does not, does not want your burnt offerings, your sacrifices. God wants your love. And so when we see Jesus on the cross, then experience his resurrection and his presence as the risen Christ. What is being exhibited is God, again, trying to get us to understand that what God wants is relationship with us. God wants us to know that not only has God and Jesus experienced all of the earthly pain we have experienced, but that all is already forgiven. Here's the thing that always seems to surprise us, but really seems quite obvious. God already knows that we are human and that we'll make mistakes. Continually, 
What God wants is partnership, our relationship. And so when we look at the word atonement, instead of picturing a sacrificial altar, God and Jesus is trying to get us beyond our shame and instead to see the word in this way as at one meant. Not atonement in the old sense of the word, but in a new sense, at one meant. It is an invitation to relationship, just as God is in relationship with God's self. God calls us home all of the time, but in our fear and our shame, we have a hard time just accepting that. But God's intention is at one moment for a purpose. After Jesus tells his followers not to worry about being restored because they already have been, he tells them something else. Maybe he feels like he's been beating a, a, a dead horse and he needs to try a new tack. So he shares with them a power, a new manifestation of God that is coming that will release them to embrace all that he has shown them. And Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, God's purpose in at one is twofold releasing us from the shame and brokenness and the fear we experience in our humanness, but also releasing us to do the work of sharing God's love and saving grace. May the at-one-ment that is given to us as the gift of God empower us to be forgiven and blessed. We are entrusted as full partners to move forward into the vision that Jesus gave us of a world healed, of a world where justice and peace reign. Amen. It was a long time ago I was a girl about 12 years old On my back, staring up into the docks on the sky when I said, God, tomorrow I can't see, but I'll stick close to you if you'll stick close to me. And that night I prayed, keep me, God, keep me, God. Now I don't know just where God lives. Ain't all that sure just exactly who God is. I don't know if there's a church that deserves to take God's name. I just know that when I look around, I see the hand of someone or something that is bigger than me. And I call that God, and then I pray, just keep me God. I'm in a plane up in the sky The stone surrounds us as we fly 
And below the big black ocean is all that I can see When all at once I realize Don't really matter if I live or even if I die Just so long as you keep me gone Now in my days draw to an end I've said goodbye to my family and friends When the time that turns my life is standing still As I turn my final pen I bet you I'm gonna be asking even then Give me God, give me God, give me God Oh, give me God, give me God, give me God You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.